Dr. Homebrew is brought to you by Five Star Chemicals, providing safety and cleaning supplies for brewing, distilling, and winemaking at fivestarchemicals.com. Dr. Love. Stand aside, nurse. I'm Dr. Homebrew. Right, everyone. Thanks a lot once again. It's the triumphant return of Doctor Homebrew. Triumphant, yes, awesome. I think, I think they're building an arch, an arch for us in downtown Martinez. They should. Yeah, we can march under it as group. That would be amazing. In their next like monkey and beer parade or whatever they have here. <laughs> it would be. It, it, what would they make the arch out of if they were to build one for us? Beer? Like, Old beer cans. It would definitely be like. Uh, it would definitely be um, marble. Like, well, no, it'd be, you know, because we have, uh, we're like the world's uh, black hole for antique shops. So I think it'd be some sort of like... Built out of old furniture t- yes, and just, cheap buttons from the yeah, 60s. Yeah. <laughs> that would be amazing. Tacky glassware. And some old board games. Right. Oh, man. I can't wait for that. I cannot wait for that. That deserves more intro music, I think. Yeah. It's just too rockin' of an idea not to have rockin' music on Right. Intro to Arch. <laughs> oh, whatever. This is Dr. Homebrew, everybody. And if you want to blame anyone for this show, blame the fine folks at 5starchemicals.com. They are our main sponsor of this show, along with our other fine people. But uh, it's mainly 5 Star that brings this show to you. They uh, they are the, the chemical company that everybody loves. They are the people who make PBW and Star Sand and Sandy Clean and a bunch of other nice stuff. So go check them out, please. FiveStarChemicals.com. Um, they have a little kind of rundown of, of, of their main, I don't know, ethos, if you will, about uh, how you cannot sanitize and clean something at the same time. You must clean it first and then sanitize. I think that's kind of the main thing they try to drill home, and, uh, and it works. It works real well. So check them out. FiveStarChemicals.com. I use PBW and five, and, uh, excuse me. I always want to call it Five Star, but it's Star Sand. Uh, I use those two sand. products all the time. Five Star right. Sand. Yeah. I are, love them. Are there people out there that make products that claim to sanitize and clean in one step? Oh, yeah. That's weird. Yeah. I think it's pretty weird, too. But Okay. Well. So, uh, okay, here we are. We have an in-studio guest with uh, a beer. Okay, and then for our second beer, we are doing uh, the return of the commercial calibration, Ooh. and I have the commercial uh-huh. calibration right here. The mystery six the unannounced pack. return. <laughs> of- <laughs> yeah. uh, just so you know, now this is, these are beers that we you know whenever we do these commercial calibrations, we try to to find beers that that you common folk who are or maybe aren't in a hub of craft beer like we happen to be in Martinez. Uh, um, uh, you can get anywhere. You can get anywhere, and it's usually going to be the same condition that we can get it to. So, um, Brian, why don't you introduce the group to today's um, beer? Well, so, you know, Lee did such a good job of describing what the uh, commercial calibration is all about last time. You just have to listen back several episodes. I I just cannot do it justice. He, he described it so well. But it's basically about tuning your palate to... Uh, to us as a judge and getting you to think like a judge kind of and learning to um i just meant tell us what the beer is as you kind of do in the show about (laughs) uh you know what a judge looks for in beer so the beer that we have before us is negra modello there you go straight out of the the black uh shopping bag experience that you get at any local (laughs) this beer falls under category 3a of the bjcp style guidelines and it is uh, a classic commercial example it's that's listed in the guidelines themselves so this is um a commercial example of this beer that that the bgcp deems uh it's a vienna lager. to be a, a good yes. a good example of vienna lager so yeah there's there's a whole uh, vienna lager folks negra modello we're going to change your whole mind about negra now i don't have any limes is that bad? Are we still going to be able to do this justice without any limes? No limes? lines? No limes. 
Lines. No lines. L i m e s. Oh, with lines. an M. Oh. Yeah. No. I don't have any uh, lines of blow either, but. Uh, um, I know. Yeah, I think we'll be able to do fine without we'll the lime. I mean, I would, would you put a lime in a in a, like an Oktoberfest, which is a very similar beer in some ways? Look, when I go get my uh, you know my uh, lengua soup, you know I try to put a lime know, in it. They, well, they they put a lime in my beer, so what are you going to yeah, do? I don't know. Yeah. yeah so well, the, we can go get some. <laughs> Can we? But uh, probably. Uh, yeah, no, I think we don't want to do the lime because we're not here to describe the lime. This is an interesting beer yeah. in that uh, you know it's it's <laughs> not not brewed in the this particular example of it is not brewed in the country that it originated in. So you know it came from Austria and uh, you know some of the brewers moved from there to uh, to Mexico. And started brewing it down there, and, yeah. and so it's one of the more interesting, you know, North American brews that that continues to be brewed these days. You know, a lot of this this movement happened in the the late 1800s, and the the style in the meantime kind of died out a little more in, in its country of origin. Uh, although you could still find some uh, here and there in Austria, but um, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a malt oriented. Uh, lager style and uh yeah i think it'll be interesting to taste this with you guys so and the bottles are cool too yeah i don't know they are anyway uh let's take a break when we come back we have matt in the studio and we're gonna go over uh the beer that he brought in which is a what is it again belgian strong dark right yep exactly belgian strong strong, belgian dark strong all right uh hang in everybody we'll be back right after the jump this is dr homebrew Do you know the three most important rules in brewing? Sanitation, sanitation, and sanitation. And no one does it better than Five Star Chemicals. Five Star knows sanitation. You can only sanitize clean equipment. And Five Star knows how to clean, too. For craft brewers and home brewers, Five Star has what you need to keep your fermenters, serving tanks, kegs and draft lines sparkling and free of any beer-spoiling bacteria. PBW, caustic, acid cleaners, star sand, Santa Clean, lubricants and defoamers, pH stabilizers, and more. Five Star Chemicals has cleaning supplies, safety supplies, heat exchangers, pumps, hoses, and valves. And Five Star is proud to offer eco-friendly products that exceed customer expectations. If you have a cleaning problem, you need the Five Star Solution. Visit FiveStarChemicals.com or call 800-782-7019. 800-782-7019. And get the Five star treatment today hey woolly i'm beat can we find a nice tree to just hang out in for a while you're beat i've been swinging through this forest for 50 years ever since we ever since we first escaped from the circus i know i know but there's got to be more to life than exploring this creek and trying to populate the valley by copulating with loose hairy girls we stop look what is that? It looks like a man-made treehouse. With fresh food. And craft beer. Welcome to the Creek Monkey Tap House, boys. Grab a seat. Creek Monkeys drink free. <laughs> awesome! The Creek Monkey Tap House in Martinez, California, takes their mission of fresh food and beer seriously. They only serve locally raised beef and chicken, as well as local sustainable produce. It's better for you and the planet, and it just tastes better. The beer and wine at Creek Monkey Tap House are chosen with the same care for the highest quality and roast. Rotate frequently to make each visit an adventure. Swing on into the Creek Monkey Tap House and enjoy a new legend of amazing food, beer, and wine. The Creek Monkey Tap House, online at creekmonkey.com. Come along now. It's time for your medication. Everybody, welcome back to Dr. Homebrew. We're just kind of talking about the, the Pico Brew system at the break, uh, discussing my hatred, my newfound hatred of homebrewing with Matt and Liz, who are our guests. And uh, yeah, I can't stand it anymore. I can't, I can't stand it. I don't want to do it. And uh, I don't want to do it. When was the last time you brewed, JP? Uh, Sunday with Warren, <laughs> with my friend Warren. But, I don't uh, want to do it, and I'm not going to do it anymore. But yeah. Just did did you make Warren scoop the grains? Uh, well, he <laughs> wanted to brew. It was his birthday, and all of his you know stuff is packed up. It's his birthday, uh, so I'm like, he, he goes, "Can I come over and you know brew on your system and blah blah blah?" Yeah, sure, dude, that's fine. Waste my Sunday. Yeah, sure. Why not? Hey, yeah. you can get one of those Pico brew things. I want it's to like a get, gallon or two. No, you uh, can do three gallons. You can three do five gallons. Gallon. Five gallons, really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. 
uh, Annie Johnson was was on the show a couple weeks ago, and she brought in a bunch of beers brewed on the Pico Brew. And I thought for sure it would be some sort of weird, funky taste, or you know, you taste it and you go, "Of course, it's made on a system that you didn't hand do everything on." Of course, I can taste it. That's how good I am at my tastings. Uh, but tasting great. Yeah. Well, something that small, you just pick it up, dump dump the the spent grains in the trash, then let the dog lick it clean. <laughs> you know, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Throw in a little bit of why not a little bit of PBW after that you'll be fine. Yeah, Alpo and then That's PBW right. and you're good. Yeah. <laughs> all right, well let's get to our our guests here. They they came all the way out here from Berkeley and uh, Matt and Liz, right? Yep. All right. And how long have you guys been home brewing together? So I started uh, brewing and fermenting various things uh, about four years ago. I started doing wine kits and things like that, and then um, at the homebrew st- uh, shop there. I realized that I basically had everything to brew beer as well. And so I, I brewed a, a few extract batches. And then mm-hmm. being a chemist, I just kind of jumped right in doing um, just uh, all-grain brewing. And uh, now I do a hybrid stovetop with electric rims for um, mashing. Oh, wow. And, uh, and yeah, we uh, uh, Liz and I, we brew together almost every weekend. And Every weekend. Yeah. yeah, and I started brewing when I met him. Yeah, pretty much. I think that was like our fourth date was uh, brewing together. <laughs> Liz, what did you think when he when he kind of laid that line out there for you? He's like, is he gonna like murder me? Well, when I first met him and he said he was homebrew, I was like, oh, he's gonna make me taste this beer and it's gonna be horrible <laughs> and I'm gonna have to gonna, pretend that it's good. Have but, to be yeah. nice. But yeah. I tasted it and I was actually very pleasantly surprised. Yeah. How long ago was this? Um, this was a year and a half ago. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, and uh, yeah, then I got a job out here at Cal, and the next day put a ring on her finger and moved out here and packed her up and moved her out. Yep, yeah. exactly. Nice. How many different styles would you guys say you brewed? So we only do ales. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't lager at all, uh, especially in our apartment here in the East Bay. We don't really have the room for <laughs> that sort of stuff. But um, so we do, uh, like I said, all ales. But uh, about half our brews are Belgian. Oh wow! Okay, so that's why I wanted to bring uh, one of our Belgian brews, this uh, beer that I brought tonight. Okay, excellent. And is this a a new recipe, or have you have you made this particular style or this one before? So um, this recipe I've done two or three times now. Um, try and make it a special occasion brew. Um, this one we did uh, two Christmases ago. I actually did this with my brother and my dad. Uh, the day after Christmas, mm-hmm. and uh, we brewed a double batch, and uh, then my brother and I split that and uh, took that back to our various uh, uh, homes and uh, and uh, fermented ourselves, bottled it ourselves. But, um, yeah, we did a, uh, a Christmas quad again this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the, the goal is to always have another uh, one aging for a year that you can then taste the next year. Yeah, get on a schedule like that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Sounds awesome. Well, uh, what do you want to get out of this tasting? So, um, like I said, we brew a lot of Belgian beers, and uh, we use the, like a lot of the same yeast and things over and over again. So I just want an outsider's perspective on what you guys think, that uh, the, the different flavors that you pull out and what your ideas and suggestions are. Okay. We, can, we can express opinions, no problem. <laughs> Lee, do you have ideas and or suggestions? Uh, can, can you form ideas? You want me to focus on the beer, right? I would love to. Okay. All right. I can do that. <laughs> um, so what do we get in this beer? Um, you guys drove this over this evening. Did it get a little shaken up? Maybe a smidge. Yeah. It, I tried to gently go over the various potholes on the way here. Yeah, we got some doozies out here. Work now. on the air ride yeah. suspension kit yeah, for your it, beer. It definitely <laughs> tasted like there was some yeast suspended in it. So it had this kind of yeasty flavor. It gave it this kind of brown bread character. It was kind of nice, the brown bread thing, but the yeasty sort of slightly sulfury edge to that. It, was, it would have been better settling back out. But, you know, what, what can you say? That's because it got a little bit shaken up. You could definitely see that it's kind of hazy. Um other than that, um, the aroma on this beer had kind of a tamarind ester, maybe a little bit of cherry, a little bit yeasty, brown bread aroma, plum prune kind of esters, light, spicy, peppery phenol, no hopped aromas, no DMS diacetyl, some cherry. Uh, the appearance was kind of a medium to maybe, yeah, medium brown. Um, 
had a fairly good haze in it. It's probably some suspended yeast, although I, I noticed when it warmed up a bit, it seemed to get a little less hazy. So I'm wondering if maybe there's a little chill haze in it, too. It's hard to say. Dual hazes can be hard to diagnose. Um, it pours a very low foam, which fades immediately to pretty much no head. Um, and that's actually a bit of a fault here, because this style should have a fairly persistent, big, rocky, foamy head to it. That It should, should pretty much just stay there. Which is this is kind of quite a trick in a high alcohol beer like this. Um, flavor: brown bread, yeasty from that getting shaken up a bit. Um, some clean alcohol flavor, a little bit of spicy character to that alcohol, but um, now generally pretty clean, no solvent or heat to it. Um, some low spicy phenols. It actually um, some uh, pretty much no hop flavor that I'm picking up. Uh, just a supporting level of bitter. Some cherry esters again. I don't know if that's from the ferment or maybe you had some sort of Munich, Munich variety of malt in there, which could do that too. Um, finish is fairly sweet uh, with a lingering brown bread yeast flavor. Uh, some of that spice, the alcohol spice, and a little bit of phenol maybe, some cherry flavor. It's all pretty much to style uh, on that regard. Mouthfeel, medium body, medium carbonation. Uh, medium to medium low, really. It should have more. This is a style that generally demands to be fairly highly carbonated. You know, they use these big, heavy-duty bottles for a reason. It should probably be three atmospheres, two and a half, probably more like three atmospheres minimum, maybe a little higher on some of them. So I think style-wise, it's a little bit undercarbonated here. Um, has some spicy but not hot alcohol again in the mouthfeel. You know, it's got a little bit of a, um, a kick to it from the alcohol, but it's not, not solvent or anything. Medium-low creaminess. Leaves kind of a sticky finish. It seems a little bit sweeter than maybe it needs to be. But, again, that could be because it's undercarbonated. Or maybe it need to, or maybe it just needs to be a little less sweet. It's hard to say. Some of these beers are pretty sweet. Others are drier. It's, there's quite a range on that with these things. Overall, uh, I thought it was some pretty good flavors. Good uh, alcohol character for the style. Uh, that little bit of a spice note to the alcohol is nice if you can get it, as long as it doesn't get into the hot and solventy realm and you didn't go there. Um, some nice esters, um, some nice low phenol spicy flavors to it as well. The low carbonation kind of detracts from this beer. It definitely needs some more carbonation uh, to be in style. The head's also kind of low. It needs something to improve that. Um, and there's a few ways to do that. You could add a little bit of wheat malt. We'll add some head. If you're doing protein rest, don't overdo it. Actually, for a beer like this, you probably don't need to do something like that. Um and if you had much break, get through into the fermenter. Don't let your beer sit in the, the tube very long. Some of that stuff tends to have a lot of lipids and oils in it. And it could uh, cause, cause loss of head. Um, I also picked up, um, as it warmed up a bit, a little bit of a sherry note in here, which suggests there might be a little oxidation going on. Um, some of that can be appropriate to this style, um, certainly in the older versions. And they, these beers can actually age very nicely and pick up some of that sherry character. It can be quite nice over time. Um, I don't. Remember, I mean, you were talking about your every year tradition with us. I don't remember what year, if you said what year this was. This was two Christmases ago, so it's about 15 months at this point. Uh, then a little bit of that might be expected. If this was the one you had done this year, I would say you probably would need to watch a bit about get, keeping oxygen out when you bottle it, and making sure you got some good fresh yeast in there. Uh, given that this is over a year old, eh, that might be not, not too unexpected, really. Um, um, it was a little bit undercarbonated, so I'd say... Um, one thing that's good to do with a big beer like this, and it is something I think some of the breweries over there do. In fact, I remember reading about this first in one of Michael Jackson's books when he was describing his tour through the uh, the du- Mortgat Brewery where they make Duvel um, or Duvel. Um, they when they do their bottle conditioning, they warm the stuff up. They they put it in there. They put those bottles in a warm room, seventy two, seventy five, maybe even eight higher than that for a few weeks to oh, make wow. sure that yeast finishes it out. Uh, this beer was a little flat. It was definitely had yeast in it, so maybe if you didn't do that, something like that would help. Otherwise, maybe some. make sure you've got a good, healthy, active yeast pitch when you put it in there. There's a lot of alcohol in this beer, and it's going to be a bit of an uphill battle for that yeast to, uh, to get it all carbonated and finished out. All in all, I thought it was pretty good. I gave it a 33. I think if it was less yeasty, uh, I might have got. I tried to not let that, you know, because obviously it was shaken up a bit, but I tried not to let that impact it too much. Um, but it was also a little bit uh, flat, so that's that's why I didn't get a better score than that. But all in all, I think it's a pretty decent beer. Brian? Hey. Um, yeah, you know, the, the beer had a nice complexity of malt flavors in the aroma. 
Um, I agree with a lot of what Lee said there. Uh, you know, when we first started drinking it, it was a little colder, and I was getting a little bit of raisiness, raisininess, and a kind of a low prune and and some cherry. Uh, some of that stuff is coming through a little bit better now. Um, another thing I got was kind of the impression of a roasty aroma and and flavor uh, in the in the beer, but which would be inappropriate for the style, but. As it warms up, the fruitiness kind of covers up a little bit better, and I think it's kind of maybe a little deceptive thing in this beer that when it was too cold, it was a little had that kind of a sharp edge to it, almost like a like a bitter chocolate. Yeah, it does have it is on that darker side for the mm-hmm. the malt. I'd be really interested. You know, it seems like maybe you pushed a little farther than just going to special B, and you put some other uh, malts in there, maybe some some pale chocolate or something, but I, I don't want to go guessing ingredients because I'll just get it wrong every time, but <laughs> it does have a darker malt element to it that is really interesting and works with this beer, um, but for a straight BDS, it's not, not appropriate to style. Now, you also mentioned quad. Is it is it supposed to be a quad, or is it... So, yeah, we were really going for a Belgian quad, Okay, and uh, obviously the only uh category falls into is 18e for the yeah. uh, you know belch and dark strong so yeah i mean we could have judged it as a quad too and 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 done our you know best with that too even though it's not really a s- style yet maybe it will be well um who knows if it will be we'll find out in a few months when they release new guidelines um the one thing i would say is in the style guidelines it does say that quads generally get classified under 18f which i think it's 18f which is belgian specialty really so if you're going to if you're going to make something that's unequivocally a quad that's where you want to put it. Um, that said, I think this is probably within the parameters for a, a dark strong, so I think you're probably okay putting it here. The, Just uh, call it that. The 16, uh, 16E, actually, Belgian specialty. He's, he's a specialty or he's the dark? The uh, 16E is oh, where 16E, the right, Belgian right, specialty right, falls. Yeah, it's the last one in the 16s. Uh, the BDS is the last one in the 18s. But anyway, fine points. Thank you, Lee. That's that's a good point. Um yeah, the color is kind of rich brown color. It had a fair amount of haze at first, but I did notice too that it it cleared up a little bit. So, uh, and the head faded just like that. Uh, we for, we forgive the the haze because yeah, you did bring this bottle here. And uh, anyway, uh, in the flavor, it had it does have a lot of good complexity to it. it. Has some real chocolatiness to it. It does have some toasty elements and a little coffee like uh, you know just some hints of ash I was getting in it. Uh, a little bit of cherry and plum in there, and that's coming out a little more as it warms up. Definitely balanced to the malt as it should be. Very cleanly fermented. Fairly sweet in the finish. I think you could dry this beer out a little bit more, and maybe that was also that part of the re- it didn't completely um, ferment out in the bottle, possibly to to give it the carbonation you needed. Um, I, I did notice the same thing as Lee did about lower carbonation. And you definitely want that up there, but because that'll help with the with the uh, that'll help sweetness dry. level, right? I mean, it'll it'll help perceive to dry it out maybe a little bit. Well, if it if it dry if it didn't dry out all the the priming sugars that you put in the bottle, it'll, it'll mm-hmm. the impression will be a little sweeter in there from the the extra priming sugar that didn't ferment out. But, was, but I mean, if, it, if I was it was saying, but, it, yeah, if it was properly carbonated, would you still be saying and you could probably dry it out a little bit? Like, is it is it tied a lot to carbonation? I think sweetness and, and and carbonation work independently, and and you have to get them, okay. you know, get them both balanced right. Mm-hmm. Just you know, raising up the carbonation to the spear might make you notice the sweetness just a little bit less, but it's not going to make it less that less sweet than it is. Okay, um, yeah, but and still, it's just such a big fruity beer that sometimes the fruitiness comes across as, as sweetness, and it, and it can be really dry, but it just seems like it's sweet because of all the fruity stuff going on. I've been fooled with that before. I'll be fooled again. Uh, it's uh comes across a little a little bit sharp in ways it's it's uh that that kind of dark malt character lingers in the aftertaste a little bit and it does have some pretty substantial alcohols kind of making it just a little more biting and that's also noticeable in the mouthfeel i wouldn't say they're hot they might be bordering on on you know they're just a little bit high and and it's a little alcoholic but it's a low alcoholic uh kind of sharpness to the beer but still pleasant and you know it's it's interesting to find out that it's such an old beer too like, i might have guessed that it would have been a younger beer you know <laughs> it's a, it's it's big and and kind of in your face and and has some sharpness to it yet which is nice but then it also has some of those um characters that lee was mentioning as far as a little sherry light creeping in and, and that it does have elements of age as well so 
such a complex beer. It's a it's a low alcoholic, just like Hervé Valachez. <laughs> he was a, <clears throat> okay. Uh, continue. So, uh, yeah, I mean, body wise, I think Lee covered it pretty well. Kind of pretty medium full body. Carbonation was a bit low. That was the only thing I'd really knock it for. It's nice and warm. Warms all the way down the throat and and fairly smooth. Um, but again, just it doesn't have any astringency. But with that alcohol, it is just a, a little bit uh, biting and intense and, and, and an ominous mouthfeel. Um, it's no, but it's it's a pretty pleasant drinking overall. <laughs> pretty pleasant drinking Belgian dark strong. Just comes. <laughs> <laughs> comes across a little a little dark malt forward i don't know if lee on the we'll talk about right. recipe and and uh and i don't know what the darkest malt you used in this was well i'm we'll very very curious to find out but um you know you want to definitely rely on the the liquid you know dark candy sugar to give it its color and uh, yeah you know usually uh well, you know, there's a, a wide range of interpretations for this beer, and this is definitely on the darker end of it for the style. So, um, well, I guess they can get darker than this, but um, dark flavors. I think there's yeah, yeah, some of that ominous roasty flavor. I don't know, I, <laughs> on my sheet, I said something like, well, if you really flavors. want to use a dark malt, make sure it's a deep bitter dark malt. But I would, I wouldn't even use any dark malt. Just use the, the dark can liquid candy sugar. Along with some uh, some special B and some of the other malts that you typically right. find in these. So nicely done. Um, you know, it's got uh, that that dark fruit character was kind of coming through a little bit more as it warmed up, and I think it's a really nice beer. But yeah, bump up that CO two would help, and I gave it a thirty two. It'd be a little higher with if the carbonation and the head were right. All right, you, uh, you want to go with the recipe? You bet. And right. uh, Liz and I were sitting here, kind of laughing to ourselves because we're going down the grain bill and nodding along with you at, at the, uh, <laughs> they were right the notes that right. you're, you're pulling out so we actually um because we did this as a collaborative brew uh, it was really kind of one of those epic brew days where everyone comes together and everyone you know leaves with something and uh so we actually did this as a partial mash and okay. um so we did um uh it was half the uh, fermentables came from uh dme and LME, and then the other half uh, we did as a uh, partial mash. We did um, twenty. So out of the remaining fifty percent, so the twenty-seven percent overall was two row. Eleven percent was uh, Belgian aromatic, which I'm guessing that's where you're getting the cherry notes and things like that, perhaps. Um, then five and a half percent special B, and five and a half percent pale chocolate. Okay. Nice, yeah. I mean, that pale chocolate gives it a really nice note, and interpreting it as a quad, you can you can get away with a little bit more of that darkness in there. I think, right, Lee? Lee, you know more I, about quads than well. And, I I don't think quads are quite so defined. Mostly, they're just bigger. You could probably get away with yeah. because since there's no defined. style guideline around that, you could probably get away for it. It's more an open field. You can, um, as as a Belgian dark strong, it's really not supposed to have that that slight roasty chocolatey cocoa edge from a roast malt. So. They're 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 at her too as as a straight quad in a sixteen e, um, it might not really get commented on. Yeah, exactly. And as a, just a flavor, it's actually kind of nice. It's, ple- it's pleasant. Yeah, it's yeah. not an unpleasant flavor at all. It's just so <laughs> actually the uh, as we tasted into uh, this beer as it aged and took time points, um, we could really kind of taste it. Kind of initially, you didn't really get as much of the roastiness because a lot of the other flavors were there from the young beer, and then. From about like six to nine months, the chocolate like really stood out, and it was yeah. actually too much. And then, um, actually, over the last you know three months or so, that note is actually toned down again. And so, knowing that coming up to this last Christmas, that the last beer had come out a little too chocolatey, we actually uh, dialed down um, our, our amount of pale chocolate in our subsequent brew um, by a factor of four. So cool, yeah. Yeah, and, then, fun, and you know it'll mellow out, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's the fun thing about beers like this too. They will change over time, and it's, it's yeah. kind of fun to track it. Actually, you're in a great position if you've saved a few bottles of your last few batches. Is you can start doing you know verticals of oh, your own vintages awesome. here. Yeah, yeah, that'd be that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, and, let me know when it happens. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> um, and then to finish out the uh, recipe, so for. Um, uh, bittering, we use Styrian Aurora, 8% alpha acid at 60 minutes, and then um, Styrian Saleha, 4% alpha acid at uh, 10 minutes. Um, I really like to utilize the entire 
uh, catalog of hops that we have available now, not just stick to like the top 10 most popular hops. And so I really like these different types of uh, Styrian hops to use in my Belgian beer. And then finally, uh, for yeast, uh, we use a, a huge pitch of yeast for this. Uh, so to, uh, overall, this ended up being an 11-gallon batch, so it was split. Mm. And to the entire batch went a one gallon of a double-stepped uh, starter uh, of um, White Labs 575, which is the Belgian yeast blend. Um, I really like it adds a complexity of flavor. I believe it has um, uh, yeast of uh, Westmall, Oshouf, and Chimay lineages. So double step, how many tubes did you start out with with that? So one tube into one, tube. one gallon and let that go uh, for about, you know, 18 to 24 hours. Cold crash that, decanted the liquid off, added another gallon of fresh wort and let that go again and, uh, decant- and then cold crashed and decanted and pitched. For 10 gallons of beer? Mm-hmm. That might have been enough yeast. It's, it's hard to say. I'm, I'm not, that's not the technique that I'm familiar with using. Um, usually for something like this, I probably want to do at least two doublings. And you may have gotten that out of that. You know, the equivalent of probably about four tubes of yeast to pitch a beer this big at that volume. Maybe five or six would be healthier. But, yeah, you may have got that much out of that. It's hard to tell because once you're trying to scale up that big, it becomes nonlinear. And right. so you're not exactly sure at that well, point. You're, how you're much... a chemist. Get out, get, I mean, go down the hall to the biology <laughs> lab. Get out the, get out the hemistometer and count the stuff. Exactly. <laughs> or flow cytometer. And, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, even better. Yeah. If you got one of those. Or that. just, you know, brew a five-gallon Belgian blonde and then pitch it right on top of the yeast cake there. Right. <laughs> I, like I think that's actually what we did this year. Yeah. There you go. Mm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you, you, yeah, you might it might have been a little low, but I think the yeast did a pretty good job, and it left a nice little soft uh, pepperiness in there, along with some pretty nice esters that it's pushing out. So, you know, the yeast did a good job for you, and it was pretty well taken care of beer. Yeah, it's nice as it warms up. Some of the esters come out a little bit more. It gets more fruit. The alcohol gets a little more forward. This is pretty boozy stuff. How strong is this? You said? So we were shooting for a 10% beer, and with volumes and everything that we were kind of guessing on the fly, it ended up turning out to be like 11.1%. Yeah, I'd believe it. It's pretty strong. And just in case you're wondering if we like this, you know, I think <laughs> Matt and Liz both got about two ounces of this, and between the three of us, we pretty much killed the rest The rest of this big Belgian bottle. Fifty. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's so. it's dangerously smooth there as far as, uh, you know, such a big yeah. beer, they can be really deceptive sometimes, so you have to be careful with them. <laughs> yeah, was was this uh, more carbonated when it was younger? So, or has it been like this the whole time? So I actually, I use bottling yeast. I use T58 from Saf Brew as uh, my bottling yeast because that tends to uh, wake up pretty well, even with a high, uh, high alcohol beer. But um, that was the one thing I was, I was really kind of, the whole time I was like waiting for it to carve up I mean, more. I Come more. on. For 15 months. <laughs> yeah, for 15 yeah, months. Pretty much not going to happen at this point. Exactly, exactly. So um, when we bottled up this last batch, I think we um, you know, went more in terms of yeast and uh, maybe a little bit more of the priming sugar. But that's a good point. I, um, I recently read uh, Brew Like a Monk, and where they talk about uh, putting their bottles in a warm room to yeah. make sure that they ferment out. And that, that's a really good point to mm-hmm. try and uh, improve upon the carbonation. Yeah, yeah, I used to brew these beers like in the summer, and I had uh, one side of my house where the bathroom was. It was got a lot of sun, so I'd bottle them up. I'd stack up a couple of cases just over against the wall by the window. You know, they, I mean, they were wrapped up and dark, but it was got. I'd close the door and get up to 80 in there during the day. Mm-hmm. It's hard to do that around Christmas, but... <laughs> well, actually, around here sometimes it's not. Yeah, it's not the that Last week you could have done that pretty easily, um, right? But yeah, I mean, so somewhere where it's warm like that for a few weeks helps this stuff finish out. Definitely. And I usually use the same yeast that I, I brewed with for 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 carbonating. Either you save a little on the side and bump it up again, or you don't want to just use the stuff out of your fermenter after brewing a beer like this. It's going to be dead, it's all tired out. Right. That's why I really like using the T58. It's dried yeast. Mm-hmm. You just dissolve that up and, and throw it in a bottling bucket along with your priming sugar, and it works really well for me. Cool. Right. Yeah. yeah, I've had a couple cases where I've made a barley wine, and it's like you finally drink the last bottle of the barley wine that's been a bottle-conditioned batch that you've had around for years, and it's finally just, the carbonation is just right. I mean, it's like uh, <laughs> it was always a little undercarbonated, and then you get that last bottle, and you saved it to a special occasion. <laughs> finally. It's like, oh, this is perfect. Why didn't I save all of it? Right. That's the bane of being a home brewer. Yeah, it's always, it's always the last bottle that you have that's the best one. Right. 
Uh, okay, is that it? Do you have any more questions for the so guys? I, I did have one question okay, for yeah. uh, judges here. I was just wondering what your personal thoughts are on late edition hops for you know category eighteen beers. Um, you know, a lot of the Belgian beers, you know, you know, they're not supposed to be have a lot of hop character or anything like that. Um, do you think that you should really have any sort of you know late edition hops or anything, or just a small amount? The, um, the pale ones, you know, the the triples. Golden Strongs, the Blondes could can maybe have a little bit of that, not much. I, I would say a little bit, um, and probably more the triple than the other ones. The dark ones generally, I would go with no, just straight up bittering, and yeah. that's it. But yeah. if you're entering, maybe it as a, a touch of flavor if it's a nice continental style thing uh, would be okay. But just just a whisper. If you're entering it as a, a 16E and it is, you declare it as being a late hopped beer and it and it has a distinctive late hop notes. I mean, the Belgians are playing around with all kinds of fun things and they're they're learning from us as we learn from them. And it's like this big community now. It's like the home brewers and all the the you know the the real brewer the real brewers you know i mean all the knowledge kind of mixes together out there and and you know they're doing some fun thing like just being inspired by uh, american hop crazy brewers and they do a different thing with it you know and they use the hops that they have available to them and it's it's fun you know but and and you know the way that hops play off of a belgian yeast are you know anyone who's ever had the same recipe of an ipa with American 1056 as opposed to a, a Belgian Abbey yeast or something. You know, that it just Belgo American. Uh, it plays off of it as a totally different. I can't deal with it. And I can't do it. Some people love them. Some people hate them. And, and who loves? I've never met someone who absolutely loves them. There's I, a lot of bad ones out there. There's a few that are okay, but there's there's a lot of bad ones out there. What's they, a good one? Um, the the Schuf one, the the Toulon oh. Schuf. I kind of like. But I would say the yeast character and that's pretty restrained compared to a lot of Belgian beers. So yeah, that's I think that's how they struck the balance. You know, it's it's a very hard it's very hard to balance that intensity of yeast flavor, especially with the phenols, mm-hmm. with any kind of intense hop aroma and flavor. They, they, it's just really hard to get them to play. Together. Doesn't work. Basically, yeah. uh, uh, you got to get lucky to get it to work, and even then, yeah. I, I've only had a couple that yeah. got really good. Usually, it's just yeah, I'll be polite. I know. mean, they're they're experiments, and there is a reason that styles developed the way they did. And you know, the the Belgian styles are all very uh, yeast oriented. When you add hops to it, it creates a different animal. But you know, it's you know not for everybody's taste. But I enjoy some of them. It's uh, you know some of the uh, I enjoy some of the American beers that are made with Belgian yeasts and. That are fairly hot forward, you know. When the well, some of the I don't know about like you. the uh, that's crazy talk. The green flash got some of those San Diego guys. Dude, they do crazy stuff down there. They have fun with their IPAs, man. They just good. They, they can keep them. <sighs> <laughs> they can keep all of them. We're gonna brew one of these in your garage next Sunday. <laughs> You're gonna drink the whole thing. Where will I be? There. Oh shit. Participating. That's no. You'll good. be the one scooping out. the grains. That's yeah, no that's good. Right. That's no good at all. Scooping the grains and pitching the yeast. Uh, any other questions, Matt? I think that uh, do it. Uh, really good comments. Okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. Also, you guys have a really good tradition going. It sounds like we want to come brew with you guys. Yeah, yeah. that's fun. Well, Keep every Sunday. Yep. All right. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. Right, at least. Uh, okay, we're gonna take a short break, and then when we come back, we're gonna break into these Negro Modellos. Uh, I mean Vienna Lager, because that's what they are. Uh, anyway, uh, it's Dr. Home, everyone. Stay tuned. <laughs> Hey, dude, you know what beer this is? Oh, uh, no, all the labels are falling off. Yeah, or the ink is run. Well, if it's the pale ale, you're good, but stay away from the quote-unquote Belgian. Oh, man, this guy needs to get some grog tags. Grog tags are reusable, write-on, wipe-off, commercial-grade bottle labels for your brew. The guys at Grog Tag are homebrewers. They wanted great-looking, sturdy labels for your bottles, buckets, carboys, kegs, and growlers. They also wanted a label that not only looks good, but can be easily removed and reapplied during bottling without that nasty glue residue being left behind. No residue, water-resistant, and ice chest approved. Grog tags stay on in water or an ice chest, and they stay legible. Visit grogtag.com to customize your label or coaster from dozens of different templates for free and see how awesome your bottles can look. Ugh, it's that pseudo-Belgian. Yeah, we're getting him some grog tags, dude. Grog tag. At least your beer will look good. Grogtag.com. That's it. I've had it. 
ever putting hops in my beer again. What? Why? It's just too ridiculous. Insane prices, stupid contract, high shipping costs, crappy selection. Dude, you need Nico Brew. Nico Brew will rock your f***ing face right the f*** off your f***ing skull. $5 shipping to all 50 states, plus fantastic international rates get you low prices on Nico Brew's great selection of hops and more. Whether you're a home brewer, a pro brewer, or a homebrew shop owner, Nico Brew can get you the hops you need in increments big and small, single orders, spot buys, or full contracts. And there's only one place to join the Uber Special Secret Elite Bare Bones Club where you'll get the best deals anywhere. Holy f***ing shit! NicoBrew.com N-I-K-O-B-R-E-W Nico Brew, your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. the examination. All right. Thanks a lot for joining us. If you're just tuning in, we're about to dive into this Negra Modelo as our kind of reoccurring quarterly commercial beer calibration. And uh, we're really doing this just to you know, calibrate your palate. Uh, beer judging is, is very much a, a, a practice sport. You really have to do it a lot. and It's a participation sport. It is a lot yeah. of participation as well, uh, which is good. It's probably the only sport that doesn't help your body um, the more you do it. But, you know, you only live once, right? Some of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so uh, so we're here. Last time we did the Chimay, uh, one of the Chimay uh, Blue, I think it was. Yes, the yeah. blue label. Uh, and that was great, and we got a lot of good feedback about that, and, and people have been asking when we're going to do this one. So uh, we decided to switch it up a little bit, get something that uh, still is is just as common, I think, maybe if not more so. Probably more so. Yeah. You'd probably have to choose wisely to find a liquor store that doesn't carry this stuff. <laughs> you know, you know my go-to is any liquor store that has the, the black plastic bag. Yeah, right there, which is actually on, on the a great camera, thing right for there. beer. Yeah, you know, you can put your IPA in that; it won't get skunked on the beach yeah. in the sun. From beer and it's porn, right. right? Those I don't two think things. That's the intent of what the right. black bag is there for. Yeah, that's if right. you if like, oh. anybody well, you porn see can get skunked by too much sunlight too. That's why yeah, you use the black bag, right? That's true. Or am I missing something? Uh, I got four forties of the bowl in my black black bag. Just, <laughs> when people are walking down the street in with a black shopping bag, you know it's either beer or porn. That's just what it is. There's nothing else. There's nothing else that comes in black. No, not a severed head. <laughs> it might be a severed head. Um, I didn't. I didn't think about that. Oh, okay. Lee, thanks for. Uh, it was on TV last night. I, you know. You put the severed head on your TV. Oh, no. Looks like a penguin. Okay. Uh, anyway, so uh, we're we having grass Negra Modelo. Yes. Yes. We ready to do this exam? Yeah, I Got think we're ready. Let's, on, Brian? let's talk about Negra Modelo. Okay. First all right. of all, I, I've never actually done this where, you, you know, you pour half a beer into a glass and then half the beer in the bottle, keep it in the bottle, and then drink the two side by side. Yeah. I've How's never actually really done that. Um, oh, you yeah. do get a little more maltiness than uh, out of the glass in the bottle, but not as much as I would have expected. Everyone goes, oh, pour that into a glass. Well, it, it doesn't really change it that much. No? Okay. How about the aroma from the bottle? The aroma from the bottle s- smells a lot like halitosis, which might just be my mouth. I don't know. I, uh, it's a dumb joke. Sorry. Okay. The beer doesn't smell like that. You don't um, get no, aroma out of a bottle. That's the whole problem. Yeah. I mean, if you stick bit. it up your nose and take the effort, yeah, you get a little. Yeah, bit but there is no malt at all. Yeah. There's a. Uh, I don't know if you can describe it as hop, or maybe metallic from the gold foiling. Right. <laughs> right. That, that's yeah. why. That's why you serve it in the bottle. It's itching to have a lime stuff down its. Right. Neck. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Cut my lip. Uh, anyway, sorry. Go ahead, guys. Let's uh, let's let's jump into this as a very serious Vienna Lager tasting. <clears throat> So this beer is probably a little bit on the lighter side for a Vienna Lager. It's it's pretty mellow and it's pretty smooth. Um, has a a fairly mellow uh, you know German malt aroma, uh, just lightly toasty. Obviously clean lager character. Um, a little bit a little sulfury in there, just a hint of sulfur, but not um, offensive. Just overall very smooth and uh, definitely malt balanced. Um, Getting like the the notes from from Vienna and Munich malts, uh, 
just melanoidin kind of flavors and and uh but it's 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 subdued so you, you get that but it's not like a a big Meritzen like uh we had on a, on another recent show we did <laughs> where it's you know just a big showcase for that rich toasty oh, yeah. big in your face like okay here's a you know here's a Meritzen but it's this, not a malt delivery system yeah. yeah i find this to be a good uh a good beer for the spring where you can just enjoy a couple of these and and it does actually accompany mexican food pretty well um just a nice malt balance with that spice you know it doesn't fight with it it just complements it nicely but i digress unlike Kali's comments about severed heads but um <laughs> anyway um yeah you don't get any esters in here and, and it just has a real hint of a a little spicy uh hop but not much hop at all it's very uh, very mellow and smooth. Um, the appearance, it does have a nice reddish hue to it. I noticed it's got like kind of a reddish, almost brownish tinge to it, but it's a, you know, kind of an amber color and has a, uh, it started with a kind of medium, uh, sized tannish, light tan head that just, uh, it stuck around fairly well. You swirl the glass and bring her back up and, and, uh, it, it does stay, but it, it falls to kind of a, a loose collar there after a while and, and as you as you continue drinking it but uh the um in the flavor uh it does have it you know just again clean lager it just clean lager characteristics uh it just has to be a, a perfectly um smooth uh you know no esters beer to let that uh light little toast show through it's it's a delicate beer and you know in combination with what it has uh, a fairly dry finish that all that works pretty nicely together so you have like you know no esters pushing up any fruitiness you just have a little bit of toast and a dry finish and then that toast kind of lingers into the aftertaste but it's not sharp or or biting it's just smooth and it's there and then it kind of floats away and and leaves you but um, it is very seamless yeah the transition of flavors is very is very smooth and seamless smooth you have to feel the beer uh, is that what you would would you call to style? I mean, uh, you know, should the flavors be segmented a little bit, or, or since it's a lager, should it be kind of more um, transitional and flowy? Transitional and flowy. You like that? I like that. I can look. I can either do a show about beer, or I can do a show about a drapery. It doesn't matter. I'm I'm versatile. <laughs> Sounds like millipedes at the moment. Segmented beer. Oh yeah. This this, this, this beer has got at least hundred pairs of legs <laughs> or human pinchers. Yes. Yeah. Can sever a bird's um, head in fifteen seconds. Body wise, on this beer, it's it's kind of it's medium light, and it is lightly creamy. Doesn't have any astringency. Uh, has a pretty firm carbonation. You didn't answer my question. Maybe a little high. I'm not going to answer your question. Um, <laughs> Why won't you answer my question? Um, I just. What was the question? It was it was flowy or segmented. Flowy or segmented. I yeah. said I like flowy. I like flowy. Oh, okay, he said, "Yeah." No. Well, I didn't know that he. I thought he was commenting on my choice of vernacular. <laughs> no, I'm just. Oh, okay. No, that was um, me. All right. I mean, meaning like, is it is? You said it was kind of lighter for the style. Yeah, it is. It is this one okay. is a little lighter for the style. It it can even have a little bit of uh, alcohol oomph to it, but this one really doesn't it's just smooth kind of middle of the road alcohol wise okay and you know just kind of a five percent or whatever it is uh i have to look at the label but just a smooth uh drinkable beer and goes down very easy but it has plenty of malt to keep it interesting this is one of the one of the more um you know commercial examples it's actually pretty malt forward and you find it on the side with the all the other you know, mass-produced beers out there. That's actually one of the good choices you can reach for if you have a supermarket that doesn't have too many good, you know, micro-brewed uh, beers. We got it in Martinez, just around the corner here. But anyway, so the uh, the mouthfeel of this beer it has kind of a uh, medium light body. It can be a little a little bigger than this. And there's one actually made uh, by uh, Trader Joe's, or it's brewed for Trader Joe's by another brewery. Uh, that, that has a little bit more body and is a little bit bigger and richer than the Nigger Modelo. And I find that to be a really pleasant Vienna lager as well. But uh, in the mouthfeel, this one also has a, it does have a, a little hint of creaminess, but it's the main component is that it's very crisp. And, um, you know, with the medium light body, the crispness, it's just a refreshing beer. It goes down easy and smooth, yet for such a malty beer, 
you know it's kind of surprising how refreshing it is so that's nice it's not not cloying at all if it was if this beer uh had any you know had a really big body or in the flavor had too much sweetness it just wouldn't work because it would just be too much um so i mean overall it's a really pleasant drinking beer again something nice to drink in the spring or even the fall where you just want a nice kind of mellow smooth drinking beer but nothing too uh crazy challenging but just a nice pleasant malt balanced beer uh this is a good one to reach for so um yeah i don't know what do you think lee I think that if you order dinner that arrives in, a, in swimming in an ocean of rice and refried beans, this is the beer you need. <laughs> Any Mexican restaurant, this is the best thing to get. Um, That's on the Atkins diet, right? Yes, yes, or, or the yeah, the anti-Atkins diet. <laughs> um, what to say about this beer? I mean, the style of this beer is it's it's a it's an Austrian beer. It came over to Mexico with all the with all the German and Austrian emigres who moved there back in the late 1800s, and it proceeded to just about die out at home. So finding an example of the original is I mean, probably for us here in America about impossible. If you go, I haven't been to Austria per se, so I don't know if you can really find them there. I hear there's a few examples. Um, this is about as close to a real example of this stuff as exists. Um, with any tradition that stretches back more than the length of the sort of modern brew pub movement yeah they've they've drifted towards you know kind of the the bold kind of the the lighter lagers and stuff but like bolder versions of it you know kind of like you have your german pills and austria has a lot of beers that are kind of similar to that and you know like or a hellas and then they'll have like a dunk list which sometimes can be a little vienna lager like but uh you know sometimes it's a little darker than what you would expect for this so Every once in a while, you find one that's in between, and and they do, they are still out there here and there, but it is hard to find. Yeah, and um, the the style guidelines would essentially describe this as being something like a slightly lighter, uh, slightly lower, slightly lighter version of a uh, Vienna. Sorry, of an Oktoberfest from Martin. Is is not that different? Than that it's a very related style. It's a good way to think of it. Yeah. yeah. That said, this one's come to the new world. It's brewed by a big mega brewery. Not quite as nasty a one, I guess, in terms of the beer they put out as some of the other big mega breweries. Uh, I shouldn't use words like that. Um, but you the know, mega breweries. It's, it's bit, no nasty. Um, oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 actually a pretty nice beer in its own right. So the whole point of this this sort of uh, commercial beer calibration, so that you could pull up yourself a bottle of Negro Modella and drink it while we're talking about it, and maybe look at the style guidelines we're at it, and and see if you taste what we're talking about. So uh, and and see how that correlates to what's in the style guidelines. So it's sort of palate training for the home listener here. Um, so I mean, what we get in this beer, if you if you smell it. It's got some of that toasty malt that you would expect out of a Oktoberfest or a Martzen or the Vienna Lager. Um, I would describe it as being a little bit grainier than just a straight toasty malt and has a little bit of a caramely note, which in theory is not supposed to be there. But to me, I'm kind of picking it up. You get that sulfur when you first pour it, too. A little bit got, of that, yeah. I just poured a little more fresh sample and yeah. just like kicked up that sulfur, and then it fades a little bit. Yeah. Um, I get really pretty much no hop aroma in here, which is just about what you'd expect. And as you'd expect in most lagers, it's clean ferment. I'm not getting any fermentation esters, and there's no infection or anything here. It's a very nice, clean beer. Yeah. No diacetyl, which would be sort of a buttery aroma. No DMS, which might smell like uh, cooked corn or cooked shrimp, sort of. It, it's, it's kind of unpleasant. I've never heard that descriptor before. Oh, yeah. DMS Cook- comes across like, like, like the water you've used to boil shrimp. It'll, you can get that oh. fairly often. It's not good. And it's not here. You don't have to worry about that. Um, oh, but not in this, not in this beer here. <laughs> wow, I've, I I don't know if I've ever been wildly offended. Even people talk like cat piss and vomity and <laughs> yeah. blood. I've never been baby like, oh, diaper. Yeah. That may yeah, baby diaper. That makes total sense. But shrimp water, boiled yeah. shrimp. Yeah, no, thank you. Oh wow. yeah, okay. You keep that one in your head. You you start drinking. You, you go judge a couple homebrew comps and do loggers and see how often you start picking that up. It's there, definitely. Wow, <laughs> that's yeah. a gnarly descriptor. I like yeah. it. That's pretty good, but it's not here. No, not no, here. not here. Okay. Um, the malt's got a sort of, a, like I said, it's gr- a little bit grainy, a little bit toasty, maybe a touch of caramel in the aroma, a little bit of um, sort of an almost bready kind of like bread crust kind of thing. But it smells fairly toasty. 
Now, it's not as intense on that as you get with a good Oktoberfest, like a nice dark Oktoberfest, um, which should be intensely toasty. Um, and toasty, like literally like toast, that sort of the nice dark like that bready aroma toast. you get out of a fresh piece of toast. Yeah. But this definitely has some of that. Uh, the appearance is, it's, it's as brilliant, it's, which basically means it's so clear you can't really see any signs of any sort of haze or anything like that. It's a nice kind of light amber, light brown, so dark amber, light brown color. Um, you see, it's got yeah, a, that, that brownish hue is what interests me. Yeah. And I wonder if they, uh, do they artificially color the spear a little bit or do they use, do they tr- use a trick and, and use a little bit of like, uh, a dehusk dark malt just to give it the color? Cause it seems, Given what's here and what we're tasting, it seems darker than what it should be. Yeah, it's a good question. And you know, huh. I don't know how they make this stuff. This is a little bit more brown in the color than most Oktoberfest or Martins I've ever seen. No, usually they're a little bit more straight orange. To, um, here, put it up to the foam can. And, and I mean, this is, um, if it's not backlit, I don't know how well it'll show, but you know, take a look. This um, is definitely kind of orangey, but it's still got a browner, browner cast to it. It's fairly dark for orange. JP, could you get a representative of uh, Cerveceria Modelo on the phone for us, please? Yeah, sure. Let me uh, dial them up. Yep. Yeah, get the president. We want to ask him about the color. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's a very pretty looking beer. Um, the head, it pours a reasonable bit of head. It doesn't you know, last all that long necessarily, but uh, well, not too bad. Um, it, it's, it looks about right, though. Um, the flavor, it's a light maltiness. Again, it's got that toasty note to it, which is what you'd expect. It's got a fairly even balance, I think, with the bittering, a little bit of hop flavor, sort of a light, light spicy floral kind of hop in there. Not a whole lot, but more than is in another, a lot of the other <clears throat> mega brewery produced beers. Um, you know, and along with that toastiness, I maybe get a um, little bit of that grainy malt character here. I'm not sure if I'm getting any caramel. I, I keep thinking I'm getting a little bit of caramel flavor in here. It's not supposed to be there by style. You know, okay. depending on how they they flavor this beer, you know, it's possible they might have put some um, you know, caramelized sugar in here to color it, and then you might taste a little of that or use some caramel malts. What if they just brew the light Negra, or not not Negra, it'd be Modelo. Modelo Special? And they, yeah, they just color it back. It's possible. Honestly, I don't think that's what they're doing. I mean, there's yeah. definitely that kind of toasty flavor I'd expect out of a out of a Munich Vienna kind right. of malt. Okay. okay. So I, I don't think you could get that by just adding coloring sugar. You, you just wouldn't get that. It would taste... See, that kind of flavor is more what you get out of most of the dark American lagers. A lot of them use caramelized sugar to darken, and it's a very different flavor. It tastes a little bit like a burnt, almost burnt sugar. Okay. Right. I don't get, I mean, maybe there's a whisper of that here, but I'm, I don't think so, actually. Hmm. I, I think, if anything, maybe there's just a little caramel, but I'm not sure there's too much of that. Mostly it's just the toasty malt, a little bit of a grainy malt character with it. A um, little bit of a floral spicy hop flavor. Balance is nice. It's, mm-hmm. it's a fairly even balance, maybe a little towards malt, but not a lot. Not as much as you get in most Oktoberfest beers, in my mind. It's a little bit more of an even balance here. Um, not getting any esters. It's a clean beer. No, no problems with it. Um, finish. As I pause to take a sip here. Um, fairly dry. Very dry. Yeah. Um, lingering sort of toasty malt. Little bit of hot flavor. It's interesting, the dryness. I mean, you can get that by playing with your mash temperature. Maybe they had some sugar in here or not, or some rice or something. Who knows? Yeah. Prob- Again, I actually kind of don't think there's a whole lot of anything like that because it tastes fairly authentic. In terms of malt flavor, uh, but the other thing that that famously would be done with the original versions, and I'm curious if they've done it here, kind of tastes like it. Is these would be beers that are made in regions of the world back in Germany and Austria where they have fairly carbonate hard water, mm-hmm. a lot of calcium in the water, and there's a little bit of kind of a mineral character in here. I think that kind of chalky calcium mm-hmm. kind of water, Playing and that helps dry it out. Yeah. It gives that that kind of dry dryness in the finish. So, I mean, it's possible they're using some calcium, some water treatment here. I mean, I have no idea what the local water is like when they make this. Yeah. But it's possible that they might be... Uh, actually, it's considering it's a big brewery, it's highly probable they're completely treating their water and I would building imagine, it up to right? exactly whatever profile they want. And to me, it yeah. tastes like they've probably got some calcium in here to hit that original profile. Mm-hmm. I mean, why not? Calcium's cheap. Right. <laughs> it's chalk, basically. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Let's just call yeah. it calcium. Yeah. All right. Um, 
So they, that's that's my guess as to how they're balancing it out. And certainly in the original traditional versions back in Austria, that's that's what would have uh, given it some of that drying finish. Um, mouthfeel, medium, medium low body, uh, average carbonation. Uh, you know, it's not hot or alcoholic or astringent. It's got a little bit of creaminess to it. It's pretty nice. It's a very clean beer. Overall, I mean, it's very pleasant and drinkable. It's not terribly complex, but it has a nice little toastiness to it. A nice drying finish. I mean, it's made to be a de- beer that you can drink very easily. Um, it will have a little bit more of interest to it. and will look a little prettier or different anyways than your average light lager. Um, it's kind of and a good- it traces its roots back to a very interesting tradition that's Maybe, coming from yeah. over, you know, the emigrants that came over from Austria. It could be used as a good kind of starter beer for people who are just starting to explore you know, craft brews and different styles of beer. And it's like, oh, there's something besides just the light lagers out there. I mean, most people these days know that there is, even if they haven't tried it. But if you're just venturing into that territory, it might be a good place to start for a a slightly maltier beer where it's like, oh, well, maybe I should try a Mertzen next or I should go to a, try a Bach or something and go try it out of a glass too. Out of a glass. Yeah. Um, the other thing I would say is I I do think I do suspect that they are probably uh, using a cereal mash and putting some adjuncts in this beer, mm-hmm. some corn or rice because the the lightness of the body. So like you get that the maltiness which can trick you a little bit. It's like a it's a flavorful beer, but yet it has that intense dryness like a like a light American lager has or a, or a standard American lager where it's just you know they use they use like thirty percent. Um, corn or rice and these guys might not be using as much but they're using that to dry it out like that and get that nice christmas of flavor where you can drink it in a hot climate and it's a multi beer but it dries right off and it's and it's nice and pleasant and it it doesn't it's not cloying there's no danger of it being cloying at all you know, it's just, <laughs> right it dries right out and, and leaves you with a little aftertaste of that nice malt flavor yeah. and that's what yeah, you get that's nice pleasant little beer but i think they probably are using some adjuncts in this so i, I don't know for sure but uh, the if you go you know by the style guidelines they do mention that most of the modern ones are using this and if you taste uh, you know uh, the Vienna lagers in Austria or uh, you know when you could find them here or there or um, like I said the 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 Trader Joe's one that's made by uh, Gordon Biersch I think they do it the more kind of traditional way and use less adjuncts but maybe dry it out you know other ways and and it's not quite as dry and crisp and just completely you know drawing off your tongue like that in the finish uh it leaves a little bit more of the malt and that can be pleasant too but this in its own right it's a it's a wonderful little beer and then like you said good with good with a nice spicy plate of of uh you know chimichangas or whatever you have <laughs> uh, that's right it's, it's, it's the go-to burrito beer right brian's on a roll tonight man yep it's the belgian dark strong talking that's probably what it is right all right. Well, let's get out of here. Let's take a break, uh, and then when we come back. We'll uh, we'll talk about the the beer that Matt and Liz brought. We'll maybe recap a little Modelo, but probably not. And then uh, we'll get out of here. Uh, Doctor Homebrew back after this. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. MoreBeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. MoreBeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to MoreBeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, more beer social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of the buzz, the forum, the learning center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. Hello, fellow BNers. This is Sully from the 21st Amendment Brewery located in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park. Before Nico and I opened the 21A and before I was a professional brewer, I homebrewed on my small four-burner apartment stove in a back house in Santa Monica, California, making my extract brews before graduating to the daunting idea of all-grain brewing. 
homebrew books and information was hard to come by back then. The internet hadn't been invented yet, along with other things we take for granted today, like electricity and potable water. One thing I wish I had back then when I was learning was a radio show that could teach me the ins and outs of brewing and answer questions that I had about homebrewing, a resource for making great craft beer. The 21st Amendment Brewery is excited to be a proud sponsor of Dr. Homebrew, a great show that teaches you what you need to know about making incredible beer. Good stuff. Listen up. You might learn something. I certainly did. And thanks for your support. Tasty Crack Games. I'm sorry to tell you this, but we're going to have to pour you out. Back to Dr. Homebrew. Right. Thanks for hanging out. We're almost done. We're going to recap the uh, Belgian Dark Strong that Matt and Liz brought in. Um, and then we're going to take off. Uh, so what kind of tips and tricks did we give uh, Matt and Liz for this big old beer here? We told them to keep on doing what they're doing, you know. Make Perfect. good beer and let it age. That's that's a good practice to get into. That's a great practice. To get into. Yes. Well, you Do know, your own verticals. He kind of he, he, they, he and she they know what they need to do a little bit. They've already done it on the subsequent batches. It sounds like mm-hmm. you know they've played with their priming yeast a little bit or the the, the priming sugar and the yeast when they bottle it. You know you, uh, you guys are doing some really smart things as far as you know making sure that you have with a beer like this plenty of of good healthy yeast and and a and a separate strain of it, which is what a lot of commercial breweries do um, when you're bottling it to make sure that it's going to turn out how you want it and. Yeah, this one was a little low, but it was still very pleasant. And, you know, um, interpreting as a quad versus a Belgian Arc Strong, that's a whole other story. But uh, And how to enter this in a competition, I think maybe 16E would be the way to go with this particular one. But I'd like to taste the subsequent batches and see where, where they fall. Maybe getting it, you know, dialed in where it, it meets, you know, you can present it as a quad, but it really meets a good Belgian Arc Strong profile. So anyway, yeah, keep having fun with those beers and, uh, you know, Bump up the carbonation on this one; and it'd be perfect. Except, well, a little, little less, little less roastiness for a for a dark strong. But yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want it to be a dark strong, get rid of the the chocolate, the pale chocolate was in there. If you're happy with it as a quad, you that does probably doesn't make much difference. It's not traditional, <laughs> but on the other hand, it's not verboten for that because nothing is in, in theory. Um, and and work on whatever you need to do with the yeast to get it to carbon bottle condition properly. It was a little too flat. Other than that, it was it was a really nice beer. Yeah, I'd say leave that pale chocolate in there and just call it what you want. It's and just call it my beer, my yeah. beer, <laughs> my beer. Why not? I share with you because I'm nice. Uh, okay, I think that's okay. it, right? Leaves still down in that Negromodella. <laughs> yeah, well, there's there's that, but that nice dry, so, yeah, lightly malty burrito beer. <laughs> who, who ordered these beers again? In the the order that they came in, right? Uh, who, runs this, who runs this show? We're not going to talk about that. All right, everybody, thanks for hanging out with us. This has been Dr. Homebrew. Uh, thanks to Matt and Liz for coming all the way out and uh, bringing some of their delicious beer. Appreciate that very much. And um, you guys will get a nice little prize pack from Five Star Chemicals. If you want to check out more about Five Star Chemicals, go to fivestarchemicals.com. I mean, of course, everyone has a website these days. And if you want to learn how to properly use Five Star and to actually clean things before you sanitize them, uh, because nothing on the market does it better than Five Star Chemicals. All right, everybody. Until the next time, um, I don't know. I just realized I, I, I put I put us in a prime lockout position, and say, I don't have a lockout. We need a lockout. What's a lockout? Prost. What do you mean? Like the you know the tagline, like a, oh, a tag get out of here. You know, get out of here. Like uh, until next time, prost. Like it's a We're gonna jump. We should. We're gonna have the sweetest jump to next month. Yeah, sweetest jump. We're um, going to do the jump new. We need to have a lockout. What, what should it be? I don't know. No, keep, there's no lockout. Keep judging. I don't know. Keep drinking. Don't. Keep brewing. Send us your beer. Perfect. All right, everybody. See you next time. Yeah. <laughs>